of City Hope. Man, thank you guys for coming. This is an incredible weekend. It's like kicks off summer. So many things to do. Thank you for taking time to be with us. I want to welcome the Mobile Campus, Foley Campus, Baymanette Campus, the guys at Holman, and just got a new uh, an update on Holman. Uh, since the riot, we've been out. We've not been able to go into uh, general population. And it's just opened up today, so our guys will be there. We've been able to go to death row, but so we'll get back in the open population. So thank you for praying for that. We've been praying that that would open back up, so we're excited about that. Uh, a couple things I want to share with you before I get into the Word. This is the last message in the series. I want to remind you just to uh, keep giving um, during the summer. Our expenses keep coming in, so just remain faithful. Secondly, I want to ask you if you would sponsor a student to camp. We have camps for children and for youth, and uh, it's $250. We always do that every year. We sponsor a kid, so there are a lot of kids that, without the finances, um, they, they can't make it. I had a gentleman walk up to me after the last service, and, you know, he's about my age. He said, man, I, I, I'd love to go, but here, I'm just going to sponsor four kids. And so, yeah, I, I just want you to consider that. Um, I want to address the uh, Foley campus, guys. Uh, I hope you're all there because you're so close to the beach. You may be beaching it a little bit. But anyway, you'll hear this. I uh, just want to let you know that the, the building, phase one of Foley, the ground will be broken by July the 1st to get started on that. Can we give Foley a big hand? Yeah. Uh, the steel is ordered, the permits, everything. So we're ready to go, and we're excited about that. One more thing, if you would be in prayer, uh, we'll be traveling to India next week, uh, Pastor Dale and myself. There are two ministries there that we're involved in. One is uh, an orphanage that also ministers in a leper colony. We've been there before. It's a great ministry. We'll get to spend some time there. And then another ministry we've been part of for several years, the India Gospel League. And you may remember uh, we used to buy bicycles for pastors to get to the villages. And then a few years ago, we changed that and started directing that toward uh, their buildings and their churches. And so they have a plan in each little village. They build a church. And so I found out that we, you, because of your generosity, we've actually built a church already. So we're going to get to see that. We're going to get to teach pastors. So we're excited about it. But uh, just keep us in your prayers, and we will be back, okay? There's no place like America, so we'll be back. All right, well, we're going to wrap this up. If you want to, uh, I'm going to touch a little in Genesis. I'm going to spend all my time in Ephesians 5. This is the last message in the series. We've looked at this picture of what marriage is supposed to look like. We've talked about that God is in the middle of a husband and a wife. And then last weekend, we talked about how to walk with the Spirit. And so uh, this weekend, I want to talk about our roles in marriage. When the male and the female are spirit-centered, we're able to fulfill our roles as husbands and wives. So let's look at the roles. So we'll start with ladies first. Wives, women's role is that of the Holy Spirit. You know, Eve was created out of Adam's rib. God made every creature out of dust, but Eve was made out of Adam. And Adam said, wow, this is uh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. In other words, she is part of me. God gives her the name Eve. And it's the same name he gives the Holy Spirit. It's the word helper in the Hebrew. We talked about that in the first message. And the word helper in the Hebrew, it actually means one who supplies what's lacking with the power to accomplish a task. What you're, you get a supply of what is lacking so you can finish the task. Now, men, are made, uh, men and women are made equal. 
and they're, they're, they're completely equal, but they're different. And the differences can be dynamic or they can be dangerous. So in marriages, there are three responses to the differences, and that's you reject the differences, you tolerate the differences, or you celebrate the differences. So God looks at Adam and said, this isn't good. So he created Eve to complete him, not like God completed him, but like in a human sense. So Eve completed Adam by supplying what he was lacking. So I'll illustrate it in, in my marriage. Uh, this is what Jerry does for me. My wife's name is Jerry also. So this is what Jerry does for me. In other words, I don't need another Jerry. But yeah, that didn't work out right, did it? Uh, both Jerry's. Okay, I don't need someone who's, I, I need someone different than me who can supply what is lacking. I, I don't need one just like me, okay? So men have half the brain, women have the other half, and the two are different halves. And when we reject each other or we call names or we put down, we're playing into the enemy's hands to destroy the mystery of marriage. Women are given an exalted role because you have this role, this type of the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you the three roles that women play and do for men to help complete and empower them. Here's the first one, companion. In Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it's not good for man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to. I'm going to make one equal to, but has the ability to help and fulfill the task that I've created the man for. So there are three main needs of a man. I know all the ladies are writing these down because you really want to know this, okay? I see you writing and taking notes. Three main needs of a man is honor, intimacy, friendship, friendship with his wife. A man wants to be friends with his wife, to hang out with her. When you, if you ask a man, who's your best friend, they're most likely going to say, my wife. You ask a woman, who's your best friend, and she's going to say, oh, it's Kathy and Judy. And, <laughs> and we get offended by that, but we like to be with our wives. And part of the blessing of having a wife is you have your best friend with you. So ladies, let me help you because it's like this. Ladies, men are like dogs. <clears throat> uh, try this. Just, just try this. You, you ask your husband, you, you want to do something fun? And it's like, the, you know, it's like a panting dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you, know, you get your ball. Ball, ball. You know, it's like fun, games. And ladies are thinking right now, yeah, I, I know he loves to play because he'd rather, he's always going to play golf or tennis or hunting or fishing. Listen to me, ladies. He'd rather do something with you in the area of fun than anyone else. The reason we fall in love is because we do fun things together. You think about it. The reason many fall out of love is we stop doing fun things together. And ladies find something, you know, that, that he likes that's fun and do it with him. And, and ladies, just FYI, shopping to a man is not fun. Find, find something he likes to do, do it with him. Ladies, and to be honest, part of the problem is when you begin to have kids, you step into the role of a mother, and then sometimes you can get so caught in that you forget you need to stop and be together, and you need to stop because you've stopped having fun because you're in this role of a mother. You need to start having fun in the marriage because without fun, it's a very dangerous thing. True story. A man was going hunting, asked his wife if, if she would go, and she said yes. And he was very concerned because of the state of their marriage, why she would want to be alone with him with a gun. <laughs> but it started the process of healing the marriage. She, she didn't want to go hunting, but she, she didn't like it, but she came into her husband's world. A companion is what a woman is. Number two, a comforter. Women are unbelievable comforters. They are, they are several ways women comfort men. Number one is physically. 
Yes, sexual, but also the touch. It's the most comforting thing on earth to a man and a child when a woman, when a mother, touch. They're anointed in this area. That's your role to comfort. Number two is emotionally. Women are much more emotionally tough than men. Women don't understand this. Men can get upset when you're trying to have a discussion, or you you may call it a fight or an argument or disagreement, but a discussion with him, and husbands will get more upset than wives do. And women can just argue and have an emotional fight. Their blood pressure doesn't go up, and afterwards they're ready to go shopping or whatever. It's all good. (laughs) Men, we're pulling out the knives. We're throwing stuff. We hate your guts. This is research. Research says when a man's blood pressure goes above 100, he can't hear. So when your husband is upset, you have a zero chance of talking to him at that moment. You're wasting your breath. You have to keep him comforted. You, you, you say how great he is and how nice and he's a hunk and, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a stud. I mean, Jesus will forgive you for lying and you do, you do what you have to do. You have to comfort. And the number one thing that comforts a man is respect or honor. And here's what that looks like. When I know you are for me and when I know you like me and when I know you respect me, that keeps me comforted. Women are there to comfort, but that doesn't mean you're not equal and you can't say whatever you want to say. You are equal and you can say whatever you want to say. But ladies, if you keep upsetting him or if you physically withdraw from your husband and begin to talk to him in negative ways, you're doing the opposite of what you were called to do. Let's talk about sex for a minute. Sex is something God created for men and women to enjoy in the confines of marriage. So when a man says to his wife, I need sex, a woman thinks he just needs to be held. No, he doesn't. But when a woman says, I need to be held, a man thinks, well, if she's coming on me, she wants sex. No, the problem is this. The need is not being met, and unfortunately, the world is telling men how to get this need met. Guys, even though this is a valid need, any way that you meet this in an impure way is invalid. And Satan will tell you, not getting this need met, so you're not getting it met, so you need to meet it in another way, and all sex outside of marriage leads to death. So watch God, how God made us, okay? Watch how he made us, because Eve comes out of Adam. He made us to fit. Wives, the way men get in touch with their emotions is through sex. Husbands, wives get in touch with sex through their emotions, the opposite. That's the way God designed us, so that we fit. So ladies, you're a, a companion and a comforter. Number three, you're a counselor. Women are gifted with wisdom and intuition. And guys, I don't know if you remember. Some of you have been married a long, long time, but remember when you're first married and you come home and she immediately starts, well, where'd you go today? How'd your day go? What'd you see? Who'd you talk to? And why did it take so long to do this and that? And on and on and on. And you're thinking, Lord, this is the nosiest woman in the world. And, 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 and because here's why you would think that because guys, if, if a guy says, well, how was your day? Most guys just say, fine. Right, guys? How was your day? Fine. Not going to work with me, are you guys? Come on. How was your day? There you go. That's not going to work with her. They want a word for word, play by play, what you were thinking when you said it even. And guys, this is an area you've got to lay your life down because this is a need a woman has. She needs you to communicate. And the reason they need to communicate is that's how they connect to us. It isn't that they're nosy, but this is how they connect to us. And there has to be time to talk to our wives. Guys, when he, she says, how was your day? 
I dare you to respond like this. Well, I woke up about 6 a.m. I had a headache. But then I remembered, you know, I think it's a sinus headache because the pollen hadn't rained so long, so all this pollen is, is in the air. So I got up, started moving around, and then after I got moving around, I was feeling a little stressed because I have this big meeting today, and you just made points because you used the word feelings. Women love the word. They fall in love with you when you tell them how you're feeling. And honestly, guys, sometimes you may have to just make stuff up. (laughs) Because, ladies, when you say to your husband, how do you feel about that? And the guy says, I don't know. They're not lying. They don't know. And I can prove it. Listen to me. Here's the reason why. Men come from the factory emotionally unassembled. We have the wires, they're just not connected. Ladies, that's your job. That's why you're put on this earth, is to connect the wires. So we have two halves of a whole. When a man thinks the Holy Spirit speaks to us, you know, if, if you go to the Holy Spirit and speak, he'll, he'll talk to you. And you know, how, do, how am I a good husband? He'll, he'll tell you why. He's a talker. People will say, well, I've never heard anything. Oh, listen, the Holy Spirit is talking. He has something to tell you, teach you all the time. And it's the same thing with wives. Husbands need to let his wife, a husband needs to let his wife know, I want you to tell me what you think. I value your input. Doesn't mean she's always right, but neither are you. Women are counselors and have a wisdom that men need to seek out. And, And ladies, listen to me. This is your role, companion, comforter, and counselor. And men, if you start talking, you'll get wired up. And the good thing is once you learn to connect to a woman, and that's why God put them here to connect with, you can actually connect to God better. Your connection with God will go to another level. All right, let's go to husbands. Husband's role. The role is Christ-like. The role of the husband is Christ-like. Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for. Listen, we all grew up in families, and every family is dysfunctional to some degree. But the Bible doesn't say love your wife as your father loved your mother. It doesn't say love your wife as your friend loves his wife. It doesn't say love your wife as you see people on TV acting like they love one another. No no one accidentally becomes Christ-like husband. The way you become a Christ-like husband, you say to God, I want you to make me into a Christ-like husband. And the standard that I'm going to live by is not by comparing myself to other men or other people. The standard I want to live by is to be like Jesus Christ and love my wife like Jesus loves my wife. Notice what Paul said. Husbands, love your wives as Christ. Why doesn't it say, love your wives as Jesus loved the church? Because Jesus is a name, Christ is a title. The word Christ means anointed one. So love your wives as the anointed one loves the church. Well, what's the significance of the anointing? Remember the first message that illustrated, I told you that when that's all there, when it's connected, there's anointing there. What, what is that? What's the purpose of that? What's the glory of God? The anointing represents the glory of God. Scripture says a man indeed ought to cover his head since he should not cover his head because he is the glory of God, but a woman is the glory of man. I'll paraphrase that scripture. Man is the glory of God, but women are the glory of men. So women, women are the glory of men They reflect the character of the man they choose. Your glory is the reflection of the character of the man you chose. And and, and let me say this. My wife, Jerry, always treated me better than I deserve. She was a better wife than I was a husband because I was basically, you would call a workaholic. 
and, and I, I'd come home, and she'd be frustrated, and all the kids, and I'd come home, and I wanted her to greet me like Mr. Wonderful, because I was working 70, 80 hours a week, and, and, and she should be happy I'm home, and, and then, you know, there was this attitude, nothing was said, you just sensed this attitude, I'm thinking, she got an attitude problem, you know, you got a great husband, you got a bad attitude, and I started changing my character. I started changing my nature to be like Christ. As I changed, she changed. And here's what I learned. I'm a slow learner. So you younger guys, pick it up. Everything I tried to get by being a jerk, I never got. But when I changed to the nature of Christ, she changed attitudes. She was my glory. Today, we're here at all the campuses, and we're worshiping, loving Jesus. And you know why we're doing that? Because we have the best Savior in the universe, and we're his glory. We're reflecting the glory of the greatest Savior on the face of the earth. So, what are the three roles of the husband? It's in the word anointing. Because the anointing represents three offices in the Old Testament. And then Christ came to the New Testament and fulfilled those three offices. And those three offices are prophet, priest, and king. So, you know, it says when husbands love your wives as the anointing one loves the church, Ephesians 5 is telling us how to be a prophet, priest, and king. Let me give you a quick definition from the Bible of what they mean. A, a prophet is responsible for accurately and faithfully delivering the word of God. And, and that's what Jesus did and what husbands are supposed to do. Priests, they were intercessors between God and man to solve problems and reconcile relationships. A king was appointed by God to rule over the people as God's representative. How did Jesus fulfill those roles? Because when, he, when it comes into the New Testament, now all of this in the old, the prophetic types and shadows, Jesus comes in and, his, and, and, and he's here on this earth and he starts fulfilling these roles. As a prophet, he was the in, incarnate word of God. Matthew 4, 4 says that the word's more important than food. And he lived the word before us and told us what God had to say. And, and priest, how did he do it as a priest? Well, he healed sick people and compassionately did miracles. He even sacrificed his own life to help us get right with God. He still intercedes before God for us. He's sensitive and a sacrificial priest. And then Jesus, what about a king? I mean, they wanted him to be a king in the natural, he, and, but he was a spiritual king. He was a gentle, humble, authority figure that would wash the feet of the disciples. And he related to all these people on a personal level. His authority was different because it was, from the, it was for the benefit of other people. That's what makes his authority so powerful. It wasn't for him. It was for the benefit of other people. Jesus was the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. So here's the question. The question is, how do men become prophet, priest, or king in our home? Well, let's look at it. First, the prophet husband. Prophet husband is a man who diligently, diligently seeks to hear God's voice and know God's word for the benefit of his family, for his marriage, for his children, because they come through all these seasons, and you need to know. This includes living a life constant with the Word of God, by the standards and the values of God. Not legalism, but with, with, with just life connection with God's Word. Men are supposed to be men of the Word. Not dominant, but we're supposed to be men listening to God, hearing what God has to say for my family. And, and it's not saying that wives don't hear, because they do hear, because we need to listen to what they have to say also. So here's what it's saying. We're supposed to be men, then, operating through leadership not domination domination is never right so let me give you a word for leadership it's initiative the prophet husband takes the initiative the, the way god does it with us as men you know maybe maybe we're driving down the road and the music's on and he speaks something to us or we're doing the yard work and he speaks something to us he's initiating leadership and the number one thing women are attracted to in men is character 
Good character is a turn-on to a woman. Bad character or no character is a turn-off. And let me give you John Maxwell's definition of character. He says character is, doing the, it, it, character is closing the gap between knowing and doing. It's one thing to know, but it's another thing to do. Being a man of the word means your marriage is going to get better and better and better. How? Well, let's go back to Ephesians. Same verse, but we're going to add one to it. Ephesians 5.25, husband loves your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself to her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. When you're a man of the word, it preserves and promotes the well-being of every aspect of life and your marriage. Secondly, a priest, a priest husband. A priest husband is a man who sensitively and sacrificially meets his wife's needs. He, he's, he, he's helping her deal with spiritual, emotional, physical, family issues. Paul, he went on to say later on, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So let me go back and talk about sex again. Pornography objectifies women makes them an object. It de-emotionalizes them. It's a, if a man views that and believes that's the norm, he's going to reject his wife because women are emotional and a woman has to be pastored. As a priest, guys, you are actually pastoring your wife. A woman's sexuality is not compartmentalized. Everything in a woman's life is connected to her sexuality. Everything. And we're slow learners, guys. I know we are. And, and we're still learning. It never stops. I'll give you an example. If the, if the washing machine is broken, if there's a tree in the backyard dying, if, if her mother fell and broke her arm and the cat's missing, all of that is part of her sexuality. You, when you get home, you ask her, she'll tell you. So for the righteous husband, the priest husband, to enjoy sex with his wife, here's what you've got to do. You've got to call a repairman for the washing machine. You've got to get a tree surgeon in the backyard. You've you, you, you got to go pray for her mother's arm. And you got to try to find the cat. You notice I said try. <laughs> you got to take all that stuff, and at the end of pastoring your wife, you're going to get the response out of her you're looking for. It is a, it's absolutely a satanic lie to, the belief, to believe that any of those de-emotionalized and hyper-sexualized women exist in the real world. They don't exist. You need to pastor your wife, listen to her, be sensitive to her the way you would your own body. And there's a price to pay for that, but it has a big payoff. Number three, king, king husband, a man who is a servant leader of his home, treating his wife as an equal. Go back to Ephesians 5, 22. And, and every man knows this verse. They can't quote it right, but they know it. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Some of them call themselves Lord and say submit to them. No. Uh, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. Oh, they all know that. As also Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Men and women are completely equals, but it's saying here that men are the head of wives. And, 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 and the women go, great. And the guys go, yes. If, listen, and ladies, you affirm if what I'm saying is true. If you're a Christ-like man, no woman minds a Christ-like husband being her head. Is that right? What does that mean? The reason Jesus operated in the role of the king is because he was a servant leader. 
He got down. He washed the disciples' feet. Remember, Peter said, Lord, you're never going to do this to me. And Jesus said, unless you do this, you can't have any part of me unless you do this. If you're not, you're, you're not going to have that relationship with Jesus unless you do this. You're not going to have that servant leadership. A king husband serves his wife. He doesn't dominate his wife. Women have three major needs, guys. Security, open communication, leadership. So when you're talking to your wife, talk carefully. Men should always talk and act in secure fashions. I'm here. I'm not leaving you. We'll get through this. We'll, I'll, I'll lay my life down. Whatever it takes, we're going to make it. Don't, don't worry. We're going to handle this. God's going to help us. I, I, you, you take control of this. What, what, is that, what does that look like? Well, here's what it looks like. It's saying that a man, I will, I will initiate decisions we have to face. If you initiate decisions that both of you have to face, you know what that produces in your wife? Security, their number one need when you take the initiative. Well, well, what do you mean take the initiative? Initiating the spiritual. She wants the husband to take the lead in the spiritual matters. I've had women say, well, if if I didn't lead by going to church or lead by going to small groups, he wouldn't go. Another way to lead your wife is pray. Lead prayer in the home. Pray with your wives. Are initiating discipline in the area of children. She wants leadership when it comes to the children. She wants you to take the initiative when it comes to the school or the, the activities and the friends and all the things they're involved in. She wants you involved with that discipline. Initiating romance. She does not want to have to remind you of her birthday or anniversary. I'll give you a definition of romance. It's simply meeting a need before it's spoken. Let me talk about sex again gets real quiet when I do. The devil wants you to believe that sexual sin will spice up your lives. It will destroy your lives, your marriage and your family. It's a destroyer. Women want their husbands to be the loving initiator of a well-being of the well-being of their home. They want you to be the loving initiator but not dominant. Not treat them as an equal. Don't dominate, control them. Another level of initiating is financial security. Men, you have the responsibility to take care of your wife and children financially. She needs to know that, that, you, that you're, she doesn't have to worry about finances because she has a husband that's hardworking, dependable. He's not lazy. He's a good husband. We have to lay our lives down. Another area of initiating is, is emotional security. The way it's provided is that I, I'm here. I'm not leaving. I'm in this for the long haul. I'll never forsake you. I'm constant. I'm faithful. I love you. I lay my life down. And that produces emotional security. So what I'm saying is, as men, we've been called to be prophet, priests, and kings of our homes according to the example of Christ. Most men have the tendency to do like one out of the three, maybe two out of the three, but not all three. You are called, you, you are called to do all three. You may be a good prophet hearing what God is saying, but you're not a very good priest because you're harsh and demanding and dominating. You may be a good priest and not a good king. That means you're sweet, but you're weak. You may be a good king and not a good priest, and the, the list goes on and on. So here's the question. How, how, how do men fulfill all three roles? Men, you have to admit your weaknesses. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you and ask your wife, because she'll tell you the truth. Men are threatened by doing that because when you ask a woman the question, your wife, they're going to tell you the truth. We don't like facing the truth. Remember, some of us are not wired up all the way, so the truth kind of sets us back. We get our feelings hurt or we get pouty or whatever we do. So here's how I want to end the series.
You take all of this and you put it together. Husbands and wives, where do we go from here? Because my, my point in this whole series has been a little different. And, and in the summer, we're going to come back with some more practical stuff about marriage. But right, where, where do we go from here? You may be in, in a different category, but let, let me give you some examples. Maybe one of these will fit you. Number one, if you're not a believer in Christ or if, one of, if your spouse is not, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, and let me tell you that. Why? It's through the name of Jesus that we have the authority to live out the mystery of marriage. You, you, you have to have him in it. Or maybe, secondly, may, maybe you need to take a spiritual inventory of your life. You need to take a spiritual inventory, and here's why. You must be willing to deal with sin. And I like to say it like this. Demons are like rats, and sin is like garbage. So if you get rid of the rats but keep the garbage, you're still in danger. You have to get rid of the garbage to get rid of the rats. So in your relationship, maybe the mystery of the marriage isn't there. Maybe there's some things you need to inventory and get rid of. Thirdly, maybe you need to rededicate your marriage to the Lord. Maybe you've been through a rocky time, a dry time, and maybe, or maybe you've just realized, I didn't know that my marriage was such a, a reflection of the glory of God. Just rededicate it. Simply pray and invite the Holy Spirit to use your marriage for his glory around your friends, in your community. Or, this probably fits all of us, you need, maybe you need to remember you've got to prepare a little more to fight. The enemy doesn't want your marriage to be a reflection of God on earth. Maybe you need to fight a little more. And listen, I'm not saying to be in fear. I'm saying you use the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus over your marriage, over your children, over your home. Maybe you need to fight a little more. Or maybe you need to consecrate your marriage. What does that mean? That means speak blessings unto each other. Look at each other. Speak blessings and affirmation and love and words. And do it with your children and over your children also. And lastly, maybe you need to learn how to maintain spiritual victory. Because we get into this, I've had people leave today and they'll say, well, I thought my marriage was pretty good, now I've got all this stuff to work on, or, you know, all this, you know stirred this up, stirred that up. It's, it's always going to be that way until we get to heaven. And then in heaven, you, you, you're not married. Like, you're married to Jesus, you're not married to you. Anyway, so but maybe you need to learn how to maintain spiritual victory because here's what happens. We get back into that easy chair and we start coasting and all these things we know that when, when the pressure's there, we get in and we tweak and we tune and we get all this stuff going. Things get a little easy. We back off. And, and, and here's what the enemy loves. The enemy loves to find a crack in the walls to come back into your marriage. And remember what I said last weekend about the A-frame. The walls represent your identity and your security. So if he, can, if he can come in through a crack in your walls, it's going to affect your identity, your marriage, and your security because now he has access to your kids, to your kid's mind, to your, to, to your bedroom, to your, to your finance, all of this. He has access. So I don't know where, all of this, where any of these would land for you, but I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to you and that you would take this seriously between you and your spouse because, you see, here's the deal. I, I love the song they were doing earlier uh, 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 you know, how great God's faithfulness is. And God is a faithful God. And if you look around in our world right now, you might think, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about the world. I'm not sure about what's going on. But, but let me say this. God is faithful. His faithfulness is, is what keeps us founded. 
And marriage, the way he designed it, is the only way it works effectively and reflects God's glory. So what I, what I want to say is this. Let's, let's focus back on the mystery of marriage. Let's do the things that we need to do. And I promise you, by the next time a marriage series comes along, there'll be some more things you need to do. Right? You may even have to do these things over again. I don't know. It's a work in, in process. It, it, it's constant. But if I'm not looking at the faithfulness of God, if I'm looking at the person and my eyes are off, I, I, I'm, I can get frustrated and give up and, and want to just say, no, I'm not going to do this. It's worth the fight. It's worth the effort. It's worth it. It's the way God has designed it. And when you become that men, when you become that prophet, priest, and king in your home, your world changes. Your vision changes. Your, your heart changes. Everything about you changes. And it's not because she said, and you got to do this and, this and this, all of a sudden, everything is different. But listen, that is on you. Nobody can make you do that. You have to want to do that. And I want you to. I want, but you're the one who has to do that. I, I can't make you. And typically, and I know I'm meddling just a little bit, but I got two minutes to meddle. So listen, typically when a guy comes to me and he wants to talk and I lay some things out, that's not really what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to jump on his side of the fence and say, yeah, she's this and she should have done, yeah, yeah. He wants me to confirm what he's thinking. Well, I'm not going to do that because she's probably right most of the time. And he's probably wrong most of the time. Because guys, remember, we're not wired yet. And if I'm not going to get wired to my spouse, I'm going to have a hard time being wired to God and his spirit. It is a process. Don't give up. Don't quit. Stay in there for the long haul. Just keep working at it. And and God will do what only God can do. Everybody good? Okay. I want to pray for the couples, the married couples in our church. And I know some of you are getting married and you're going to be married and all that. And, and this fits you, can help you. But I, I want to pray for our families and our couples, okay? So if you're with your spouse, go ahead and take their hand if you're not fighting or anything. If you are, fake it. I got to just fake it. Okay. Lord, thank you for every husband and every wife in our church. I thank you, Lord, that you will bless them and you, they will see the benefits of the covenant of marriage And many have already seen that. But Lord, we all struggle and we all have issues and we all have things that come up. But Lord, let us go back to the role that you have designed us to be and operate in. And we do that and we can receive each other openly and equally and listen and and be attentive to that. Then you, Holy Spirit, will shape us and form us. And as we grow older and as we are married longer and longer, we, the image of God, becomes more pronounced in everything we say and do. And that's what we desire on this earth. None of us have it right. None of us have it perfect. But God, with you, you are showing to the earth your glory on this earth so that people will turn to a merciful God. And we want to be part of that. So bless the marriages, bless their homes, their children, in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. amen. God bless you.